0: hello and welcome to this week's episode of fueling fridays this is your host Kendall, and i'm so glad that you're here so first off i want to say i'm so sorry for missing an episode last week It ended up just being like the craziest week ever with homework and then McKenna came in town so I didn't have time to pre-record an episode and I was just really living in the moment so I'm sorry about that but I think today's episode is going to be a fun one. We're going to be doing a little Q&A so hopefully you get to know a little bit more about me and then also I'm going to try to do my best to give a little bit advice so let's hop right in. Okay I'm going to start off with just a super casual question and someone asked me is the Nespresso worth it? Yes literally a thousand percent it is worth it. So if you don't know my little like famous iced coffee not famous it's just the iced coffee I have every day is I use the Nespresso Bianco Legaro pod and then I cold froth almond milk and either like vanilla or caramel syrup and I just use the Tirani brand. I don't know how to say that, <laughs> but that's the brand of syrup I use. So I froth those together and then pour it in with the Bianco Ligaro pod and add ice and top it with cinnamon. Favorite coffee ever. And so that's an espresso coffee. And I know the pods are more expensive than Keurig ones, but they literally taste like you're getting it from an actual coffee shop. Now, if I ever drink, um, you know, ke- coffee from a Keurig pod it just tastes like watered-down coffee, and I literally just, like, cannot taste any flavor in it. And I mean, like, when you break it down, if you're making, like, a full coffee with an espresso, it ends up being, like, a $1.50 a cup. Which, yes, that's more expensive than Keurig, but that is, like, so much cheaper than getting coffee from a coffee shop or Starbucks or any of that. And honestly, I feel like it tastes better than, like, a Starbucks coffee. I know it can kind of be like a deterrent because whenever you see a sleeve of Nespresso pods, it's like, oh my gosh, that's like $12 for a sleeve of 10. And, you know, for Keurig, you can get like 30 for 10. But again, like I said, you know, you're getting like much better coffee and it's still a lot cheaper than going out and getting coffee. So I fully think it's worth it. I would definitely recommend investing in it. So my next question is how I started recovery. And I get this question all the time. or I get people DMing me saying like, I really want to start recovery, but I just don't know how. Like, how did you do it? So here's my answer. Honestly, there really is no special way or trick or anything to like make starting recovery easier. You honestly like, you just have to start. So I think a way to think of it is if you really want to go swimming okay and so you're getting in the pool but the water is a little cold but you know you really want to go swimming so maybe you're watching the water for a while and you're waiting and waiting you're like trying to work up the courage to get in you're like okay I'm gonna get in but it's just too cold I don't know if I can well the water's not getting any warmer while you wait is it so like what are you waiting for? Like, I know you're waiting for like the courage to get in, but like nothing is actually going to change. So that's like similar to wanting to start recovery, but you're just waiting and waiting and waiting to start. Like for me, I wasted so much time like waiting to start recovery because I knew, okay, I need to change. But then I was just waiting, but there wasn't even anything that I was waiting for. So it's like that waiting would have gone on indefinitely because it wasn't like, okay, I'm waiting until this exact thing happens, and then I'm going to recover. I'm going to start recovery, because there's always a moving target. You know, you tell yourself, okay, when this happens, I'm going to start recovery. Well, then that thing happens, you're like, okay, actually, no, that's not that bad. When this happens, I'll start recovery. You know, so you're just like, always finding a reason to push it back farther and farther and farther. So you know, Then maybe you, back to the pool analogy, if you slowly, you know, get in the water, maybe you can, like, take one little step in, but then, oh, it's cold, so you jump out really fast. Or maybe you take two steps in, but then it's too cold, so you, like, jump out or, like, you bob up real quick. It's the same thing with recovery. If you just kind of start, like, halfway recovery, then, you know, you might start a little bit, still restrict a little bit, you know, like, okay, I'm going to challenge some fear foods, break some food rules. If I still let myself, you know, hold control in this area, you know, I'll let myself challenge a fear food. If I eat super safe the rest of the day, you know, that's still restricting just because you ate a fear food doesn't mean you're not restricting. And so then, you know, you're basically, you know, taking a little step into the pool and then jumping right out. Because whenever you're doing that little thing where you're like trying to recover, but still holding on to control or, you know, making um, like excuses or justifying things, you're just going to keep staying stuck in the cycle of restricting. But if you just jump into the pool, you know, just you take the plunge and then you're fully submerged in the water, that's when it starts to feel warmer. You know, like, if you've ever jumped in a pool, the water doesn't start to feel warmer until you're fully in the water. And I feel like that's how it is with, like, recovery. Like, it doesn't start to get easier until you are fully in it. Like, you just have to take the plunge into the deep end. And, I mean, the only way out is through. I say that all the time. Like, the only way to recovery is by going through recovery. And I know it's going to be really hard, and like there's gonna be a lot of days that you're gonna to wanna to quit, but quitting just makes it harder to start again. Cause it's like quitting isn't gonna make it easier the next time. You know, if you're like, okay, I've been recovering for a few weeks now, but this is just too hard, I have to stop. Do you think it's gonna be easier the next time around? No, cause you've basically just reinforced to your ED brain that if things are too hard, then you'll give in and you'll listen to that part of your brain. So that ED brain just has to make it a little hard for you and then you'll listen and you'll go back to doing what it tells you to do. Because your ED brain, it wants to be the boss of you. It wants to be in control and in charge. So, you know, any chance it gets or that you give it, it's going to take. So just don't even let that little part of your brain see that, you know, you're going to revert back or whatever it is. So honestly, I just think It's better to challenge yourself as much as you possibly can, no matter how much it stresses you out, even if it makes you cry while you do it or afterwards, whatever it is, you just have to do it because if you're too afraid of, okay, this is a personal example. I was afraid of these certain type of potato chips, okay? So whenever... I first got them. I was literally so stressed out. I cried before I'd even eaten them just because the thought of eating them made me so anxious. So instead of waiting around, I mean like, okay, I'll try again in a few weeks. I know the few weeks would have come. And then I'd been like, okay, you know, I'm just going to hold off another few weeks until eventually I never eat them, you know? So you know what I did? I literally just told myself, no, like, you should not be afraid of chips, like, you're going to eat potato chips. So with lunch, I had just a few potato chips, just, you know, to, like, tell myself, like, you can eat these. And then after that, for, like, the next few weeks, I would eat pack these potato chips with my lunch or eat them as a snack, like, as often as possible, so I could normalize them. No matter how much it stressed me out afterwards or made me feel guilty, I knew the only way to not feel that guilt anymore was to feel the guilt, but then keep eating them, you know? So say if I ate them on Monday and I felt really guilty after eating them, then if on Tuesday I didn't eat them, then my brain is like, okay, all I have to do is make her feel guilty. And then, you know, she'll listen. She won't do it. So no, if I ate them on Monday and felt really guilty, then on Tuesday, I need to eat a little more, you know, like push the limit. And now I could eat those potato chips. And like, I literally, I wouldn't care. Like I'll eat them as a night snack. I'll eat them morning snack. I'll eat them as part of my lunch. Like it doesn't matter to me now because I put in the hard work and kept challenging myself back to back to back to back to back. You know, I always see people like on social media saying repeat to beat. And that is so true. You cannot challenge a fear food once and then not challenge it again and you also can't challenge you for your fear of food once and then wait like a few months to challenge it again. Like you just have to keep challenging it like, you know, close to each other, like the times need to be close to each other. So you can't just wait around and expect one day, you know, wake up recovered. You have to decide, okay, I've had enough of this. I want my life back. You just have to fully commit to it. I know it's easier said than done. But seriously, guys, like, just start it. Just, like, take the plunge and do it. Okay, so now I'm going to go back to a more lighthearted question. And I literally get this question every single day. No joke. And it's people asking how I make my sweet potato bowl. So if you follow me, you see that I eat this sweet potato bowl literally every single day. And it is actually the best thing ever. Also on a side note, if you can hear the rain, I'm sorry. It's literally storming so bad right now where I live, but just ignore that. So back to the sweet potato bowl. It is so good. And I've literally converted so many people because it sounds weird. Trust me. Like I know this sounds weird and bizarre, but then people try it and they're like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Like this is an addiction. It really is. So what I do is I steam my Japanese sweet potatoes. You can use any type of sweet potatoes, obviously, but Japanese are my favorite. And I steam them in the Instapot. And I have a real like tutorial about it on my Instagram, but I actually made an updated one. I just need to edit it and post it. But I mean, you could steam them any way you want, or you could bake them too like, bake them, like, how you'd bake, like, baked potato or baked sweet potato, but I just find it a lot, like, quicker to steam them, and you can do a bunch at once. So, you have your steamed potatoes, and after they're steamed, I store them in the fridge, so I'll, like, do a bunch at once, and then I'll put them in the container, and they're good for, like, I don't know, maybe, like, a week in there, just depending on, like, how many I steam and how fast I eat them, you know? So, I always use vanilla Greek yogurt as, like, my base, but just Whatever yogurt you like. Like, I know some people just like plain Greek yogurt in their bowls, but that's like the Greek yogurt that they usually eat. I just like mine to be a little sweeter, so I always use vanilla. And so I'll put it in the bowl, and I never, ever, ever measure like how much I'm using. And I'd use the yogurt from the tub, like the big tub, so I'm never like having like pre portioned amounts or anything because you know, it's super normal for hunger to fluctuate. And I know for a while I used to be super stuck on like wanting to get like individual things. So it would like help me make sure I knew I was using serving sizes. But then, you know, as I got more comfortable in like my recovery or just like, actually, once I started recovery, I was like, okay, it actually doesn't matter if I'm following a serving size and I just find it easier to use the tub. But I know it could also be easier just to use the container. I don't know why I went off on a tangent about that, but that could be a fun little challenge for you is to, like, don't buy food in the pre-portioned sizes, you know? So instead of, like, buying, like, pre-portioned, like, bags of chips, just buy the big bag and then just, like, eat from there without counting the serving size or whatever. Okay, so that's just a little side nugget. So back to the sweet potato bowl. So I'll just put some in my bowl, just honestly, however much I'm feeling, maybe like, honestly, I don't even know how much I do. I would have to like record a video of me showing how I make it, which actually I have, I have it pinned on my TikTok because I don't measure it. So I can't say like, Oh, use a cup of yogurt. You just like eyeball it. And then I mix in a ton of cinnamon. I love cinnamon. So I literally use so much. And then I get my Japanese sweet potato and I usually like cut it like, down the center so that I can open it up and I like to leave the skin on mine especially because I steam them the skin gets like super soft and I think it adds like a nice little texture and since it's the Japanese sweet potato the skin is pretty sweet so I like it but obviously you could just like peel it off with your fingers if you want like after it's cooked the skin will come off really easily and then I get a big fat spoonful of peanut butter Like I literally always add so much peanut butter and then I usually add a little bit more (laughs) peanut butter and then you just like kind of mash it all together with like a spoon or a fork (laughs) and just like stir it all up till it's all mixed in and that's it. It's literally so good and I love having it for breakfast in the morning like before school because it's so easy to make because like I've already steamed my sweet potatoes So all I have to do is just like scoop yogurt and peanut butter and cinnamon and like toss a sweet potato in there and mix it together. I'm like not having to cook anything or like really prepare anything. So that is that. If you haven't tried that, literally, I'm going to force you to try it because it is so good and so many people can attest to that. So if you've never tried it before and you try it, please let me know or like post on your story and tag me. Because that's always so exciting for me when people are try it, try it and they're like, oh my gosh, this is actually so good. Because like I know it sounds so weird and gross, but it literally is so good, okay? Okay, so for my next question, someone asked how to stay motivated. So I think that making a list and like literally writing out the reasons you want to recover is super helpful. Now you need to make this list on a day that you're like feeling super motivated and you're really wanting recovery. And so whenever you're struggling, you can look back on this list and see, okay, why am I wanting to recover? You know, literally write out like every reason, like you could have a hundred reasons on this list. There's also like a bunch of like Instagram text posts that are saying like reasons to recover. I think a lot of those are awesome. Like screenshot them because a lot of them are like, small things that you don't even really think about where it's like I don't know like having popcorn at the movie theater like you want to recover for that or like having hot chocolate on a cold night or whatever it is like literally include the smallest little detail on there and I included reasons that like varied from things that like I currently wanted to experience like okay like I want to eat without guilt Or, you know, I want to eat what I want to eat. Or things that you missed out on. And that you, like, no longer want to miss out on. So, like, okay, I don't want to miss out on any more family dinners. Or I don't want to miss out on any more holiday meals. And then also is I listed things that I want to experience, like, in the future. So, like, an example of this would be, like, okay, like... I want to be able to celebrate, like, my 21st birthday. I want to, like, eat cake at my friend's birthday party. I want to be able to take, like, my niece and nephew out for ice cream. I want to eat cake at my own wedding, like, without thinking twice about it. So, you know, I think it's good to think about these future things you want to experience. Because if you don't recover now, you know, one day you're going to wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, like, I've spent years and years and years on this. And, like, I'm still struggling with it. So I think kind of just, like, reminding yourself, like, okay, if I don't start, like, recovery now and, like, fully committing to it, then 10 years from now, I'm still going to be dealing with the exact same thing. You know, I'm going to be at a different point in my life then, and I'll still be struggling with this. Like, do I really want that? No. So, you know, you just need to start now. And then... Whenever you're like tempted to go back to restricting or how things were, you know, maybe you're missing your old body or whatever it was or the control, you just have to remind yourself literally how miserable you were, how deep of a hole you were in. And you literally just need to think of every single possible bad thing from like having your eating disorder so that you never want to go back. Because I know on days when you're, like, having bad body image, it can be easy to think, like, okay, I just need to go back to, like, how it used to be. You know, like, that's fine. But no, like, truly think about, like, how awful things were for you. You know? Like, were you cold all the time? Were you miserable? Were you grumpy? Were you angry? And just... Think about those things so you're not, like, romanticizing it, especially with social media. I see EDs romanticized all the time, but there's nothing, like, pretty about them, so you just need to, like, remind yourself that, and also on days that you don't have motivation, literally just, like, pretend that you do, like, actually, like, you just have to fake it till you make it, like, you can tell yourself, like, I want to recover, like, this is what I want to do, like, I want to eat that cookie even if like every ounce in your body is like no I'm so scared to eat that cookie literally just tell yourself like well I don't care like I'm not scared like it's just a cookie I'm gonna eat it and it's like you might like have two voices in your head at once pretty much because that has happened to me where like one part of my head is like oh my god I'm so scared I'm so scared I don't think I can do this but then the other part of my head is like no like this doesn't matter like I'm not afraid of this like I'm gonna eat whatever I want and so literally just like Having that positive self-talk in your head, even if you're having that opposite voice, I think that's really helpful to just like kind of rewire your brain. Just to kind of like teach it how it should be thinking again. And again, like I said, literally just fake it until you make it. Okay, the next question is ignoring calories and like how to do it. So... I know some people are going to be like, oh, exposure therapy, like just neutralize them. Like calories don't matter. And I know, like, I'm not saying they matter. They don't matter at all. But I know calories are such a hard thing to overcome because, you know, I dealt with that. So I personally think it's a lot harder than just, oh, just, you know, exposure therapy. Like just look and don't care. I think, you know, that could be great later on in recovery. But at the beginning of it, I really feel like that could just set you back and kind of deter you. So personally, what I did to, like, stop counting calories and ignoring calories is I started trying new foods, new brands of foods. And I literally just, like, would not let myself look at the nutrition label. And if I felt like, you know, I was maybe going to be tempted to look at it, I would maybe, like, ask one of my parents to, like, scratch out the nutrition label with the sharp with the Sharpie. Or I would get just, like, a giant piece of construction paper and just glue it, glue it over the label. And I did that even with, like, a lot of foods that I, like, had all of the nutrition information memorized for. Is I still, like, taped up the nutrition label just so I would get out of the habit of, like, looking at it. So I could, like, kind of, like, untrain my brain to see that I, like, needed to look at it. So it literally didn't matter if I knew exactly what the serving size was or what every, like every gram of fat was in like this certain food. I would just, you know, cover up that label. So I would get out of the habit of looking at it every time I ate it. And then that just kind of, you know, like carried over into other foods. And I also like made myself stop counting my food. So like if a serving size is X amount of whatever food, then I wouldn't like, allow myself to like measure it in any way so that I could follow the serving size you know so like I wouldn't use any measuring cups measuring spoons I wouldn't count it out or you know whatever it was and for some things like I'm trying to think of like a specific example not one like really comes to mind but for like certain foods I would like force myself to like go over the serving size not by like measuring it or anything, but like, you know, you know in your head what a serving size looks like if you've been counting calories for a while. And so I would literally just like force myself like, okay, you're going to eat more than the serving size and like, you're going to be okay. And that kind of helped me like not be able to like mentally track the calories as well. You know what I mean? And I also think, you know, just letting other people prepare your food And, like, not being around when they're preparing it really helps you, like, not count the calories. So, like, if your mom's making dinner, don't sit right, like, by where she's cooking and, like, watch every single ingredient that she puts in and whatever. I mean, now I, like, don't care, so I'll sit in the kitchen and I'll just, like, do homework or whatever. But, you know, it doesn't, like, matter to me to see it now. But before... If I would be in the kitchen when she was cooking, I would literally be watching her like a hawk, seeing everything that she was doing, and like, kind of like mentally keeping track in my head, like, oh my gosh, she added oil to that, or she added that much, like she added a cup of this, and you know, that's just like kind of another way to mentally track. And then, my last like little piece of advice for ignoring calories is if you're at a restaurant that has calories on the menu, which... I literally think is the worst thing to ever exist. I actually hate it so, so much. I just feel like my biggest piece of advice for that is to, you know, have someone else read the menu for you, or if there's a way that you can find a calorie-free menu. But I Honestly, I think it's better just to have someone read the menu for you. Because a lot of times, if you're looking for a calorie free menu, you're just going to end up seeing all the calories, and you know, those numbers are going to stick in your head. So I say have someone, you know, read the menu for you, you know, pick what you want. And then, you know, maybe after you've been to this restaurant a few times and you've had foods that you've liked, then. I think maybe this is when you could kind of introduce yourself to some, like, a little bit of exposure therapy. Like, for example, I go to this taco place, and it has the calories on the menu. And so I would have my boyfriend read me, like, all the tacos on the menu every time. And, you know, I was trying, like, a different a bunch of the different tacos, and then I ended up finding one that I liked. And so that started to be the one that I got every time. And so, you know, I didn't even, like, have to look at the menu anymore, but I've gotten it so much that now whenever I do see it on the menu and, like, if I do see how many calories are in it, I'm just like, okay, I actually, like, it doesn't matter because I've eaten it so many times and I've survived, I'm still here, I'm just fine. So I just feel like that could be, like, if you are wanting to, you know, exposing yourself to see the calories – I feel like eating there a few times without knowing the calories so you can know some meals that you like and even like you could have um like you even have an accountability partner like if you think knowing the calories is going to make you maybe back out of what you get whoever you're going with you need to tell them like okay like I'm either going to get this or this you know like before you see the calories on the menu and be like if I say I'm getting something besides those like literally yell at me don't let me do that So then that way, you know, if you do see the colors and you're like, oh my gosh, that's more than I thought. I need to get something else. So that person can kind of be like, no, you said you were going to get this. Like, that's what you actually like and want. That's what you need to get. I feel like that's kind of a way to go about it. But obviously if that doesn't work for you, then, you know, don't do it. (laughs) And then next little lighthearted question is my favorite Harry Styles song. So if you don't know, I'm like, (laughs) a major Harry stan. I literally love him so much. Actually, a few weeks ago, I went on my Instagram, like my personal Instagram, and I was looking at all the pictures I've ever liked, because you can look at that in your settings, and I set it from oldest to newest, and literally one of my first pictures I ever liked on Instagram was of Harry Styles. It was in like 2013, so I was fully like 11, and i had like like 50 pictures in a row of him (laughs) so yeah there's that but my favorite harry song it really depends what mood i'm in i i love she so much it's so good i love the instruments in it and just like the actual like music part of it it literally is so amazing I also really like Sign of the Times. I know that's like a super basic song, but it just like makes me cry every time. And then of his newer stuff, I feel like I really like probably Late Night Talking or... I don't know. I feel like Late Night Talking or Grape Juice maybe. They're all so good. It's like really hard to pick. Oh, and my favorite unreleased song, Medicine. It is so good. I wish that man would release the song, but oh well. Anywho, I'm really trying to go to his final show in LA. So if you're hearing this right now, please manifest for me that I'll get to go. Okay, and then I think the last question that I'm going to do, because I've kind of been talking for a while, is how to talk to your parents about it. I know this can be like super scary to talk about people and. you know, in real life about this, especially because, you know, if you don't struggle with disordered eating or eating disorders, it can be really hard to understand. Because before I ever had an eating disorder, I didn't understand it. And you probably didn't either. Like unless someone in your family had it, or you were like exposed to it. Like before I had an eating disorder, like I never understood, like, why would someone not want to eat? Like, how do you not like food? You know, like, that's what I would think. But now I know it's so much more to that. So personally, what I did is I literally wrote out my entire journey of like what I had been going through, what I'd been dealing with. And I pretty much just like put it in a little timeline and then I just read it to them because I knew like I was going to be all over the place. So I kind of just like started like, okay, around this time I, you know, had this idea and then I thought, you know, I thought I was being healthy and then this and whatever, whatever. So I did that. And then after that, well, actually, before I, like, while I was writing it down, I researched articles from, like, professionals that I trusted and are good sources that I felt were, like, pretty similarly, uh, sim- similarly aligned with my experiences and, like, what I was going through, you know, where these professionals were, like, talking about what it is and, like, what it does to you and all of that. And so then I shared those articles with my parents to help them understand better. And then anytime I saw like a good infographic or post or anything on like Instagram, I would also like share that with them that I felt like was informative or, you know, I would see posts about like, you know, six things that people with eating disorders want you to know or like four things that are, you know, you wouldn't expect from someone with an eating disorder or whatever it is. Because most likely, your parents aren't going to know very much about EDs or fully understand them. So I just feel like trying to educate them as much as possible helps them to be more understanding. And also, like, I think for the most part, like, most people, your parents have good intentions. So, you know, if they say something triggering or that bothers you or whatever, just know that they're trying and, you know, if, if they don't, like, If they haven't had the struggles that you're having, they're not going to understand why that's triggering for you. So just be patient with them and try to, you know, educate them and explain to them when you can. And yeah, that's how I talk to my parents about it. So I think that's going to be it for today. Because I know on some of those questions, I really went on for a while. And I don't want this episode to be like 20 hours long. So maybe one day... Well, actually not maybe... One day I will for sure make a part two to this. Like, I want to keep doing Q&As because I think this is really fun. So I hope you learned something or got a nice little tidbit out of this. And I hope you have a great day, a great weekend, and I hope I fueled your Friday. Bye.